0: And we are beginning our straight talk segment where we can open up all sorts of topics, really, as you're about to find out. <laughs> so 877 is the number to call if you have any questions about the faith uh, for Father Leffer or me. And uh, as a tag team, we can conveniently, outside of the uh, uh, sight of our listeners, decide who's going to launch in first in answering <laughs> a given question. But uh, it's sort of an inside baseball thing. But yes, the, the UND-NDSU football rivalry is rekindled now that both schools not only are in the Division One FCS bracket, but are going to be in the same conference. And the Missouri Valley Football Conference is going to make a priority of scheduling both teams Uh, to play pretty much every year. But back, uh, uh, the Nickel Trophy is something that a lot of people remember as with the the Fighting Sioux logo on one side and then the Bison on the other as uh, the trophy to play for. One of my enduring memories, I guess, growing up, both schools had these very quaint sort of outdoor stadiums with the paper-thin astro turf on top of concrete, yes. and they would play during the end of the year, and usually there had been a snowfall by then. It was quite cold. It was pretty frigid, and I just imagine how painful it must have been for those players when they were being tackled and slammed onto that turf. It was very unforgiving. Now they've got, you know, the field turf and the climate-controlled conditions, you know. These kids don't know what it
1: was like. Right? <laughs> Literally, I was working, I was at college, I was working retail that time, and all the, all the Sioux players were coming into the retail store and buying anything, because the next day it was going to be like 30 below wind chill when that particular game was held that day. And, uh, oh man, so talk about it. or even think about the fans sitting in those stands. It, yes. the, the smell of hot chocolate and peppermint schnapps filled the air. <laughs> it was just everywhere, and people were huddled, but you wouldn't miss it. You wouldn't miss it for anything, and it was just, yeah, it was, it was just kind of this passionate thing that all North Dakotans could relate to. Right, and there are a
0: lot of other rivalries just like that throughout our listening area. We have to think. Think about the Jackrabbits and the Coyotes, as well as, uh, you know, various other schools in Minnesota. There, there's something nostalgic, I think, for a lot of us with regard to those kinds of rivalries, because the North Central Conference back in the Division II days had a large majority of teams within a relatively
1: easy driving distance right. from one another. And, and so then we got passionate, in so here, this one's very passionate, but even... I mean, you just think about the other schools along I-94 or wherever we, I mean, right. our I-29 corridor. You just Yeah, yeah. One,
0: you know, once in a while, let's say, you know, Mankato or St. Cloud were really tough, and it was close enough where you could, you know, make that trip fairly reason- reasonably. There was one school that was kind of an outlier, Northern Colorado, in Greeley, Colorado. And even if they had just a stink on ice football team, it
1: seemed like it was always a
0: hard Thing to win out there because it was such a long trip and it was. Now, just for that. me,
1: that was a family affair because I had two uncles and their families were living down there, so we always had this battle back and forth. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, anyway, so we're Father Gross and I are just going down a little memory lane here, and we're hoping that that rivalry comes back again in the sense of just mm-hmm. the what it what it does for identity and pride and bragging rights and all that. So, Father Gross, I bow down to you. Your your bison defeated the the <laughs> the, the, the um fighting on, hawks here the, recently. Uh, yes, they are on
0: quite a role. It's, it's going to be something to see. I think um, even though they might not have admitted it to you personally, so a lot of Bison fans were a little apprehensive because of all of the turnover that was happening. Okay, there's a brand new quarterback, there's a brand new coach, various things like that. You know, hope springs eternal, but we weren't sure what we were going to see. Well, those those hopes are
1: swelling, so we'll see what the rest of the schedule brings. So for all of you listeners out there, we're in our straight talk segment 877 795 and we're just, we're letting you know that, hey, Father Gross and I are real. real real people, real men, we have real passions, and, and, and things, and letting you on the inner life of a, of a couple one, of... Once Roman in a Roman while, Catholics we stray
0: outside of the uh, doors of the church, right? Okay, so
1: here. Now, one of the things we want to bring up was devotional life, like yes. today. This is mm-hmm. something that... And it's, it, you know, those devotions, those sacramentals are meant to lead you to the sacraments, and this is the, the circumstances of life, the environment, the shrine. This so important to have a Catholic culture and thing. So, Father Gross, for you, what, what are some devotions that are just really very important to you that have been key in your life or that you really want to share or promote with somebody because it's been important to you?
0: Well, a big part of this uh, recently, for me and my priesthood, is when I discovered a website. And uh, forget I should have looked it up. Uh, but it, the the domain it's either going to be a .com or .org. If you just do on a search engine, pray more novenas. Um, pray Nor- Praymorenovenas .com. There's a, a husband and wife couple. I really don't know a lot of their background story. But throughout the year, there are various novenas that they invite people who subscribe to join with them in praying. And they provide in your email inbox when you sign up uh prayer every single day of that various novena um our lady untire of knots is one of those especially with regard to the history of that devotion and the intercession for saving a marriage that was in distress so that's a big one for me um you know the the novena to saint monica it was one that was recently you know with regard to thinking of adult children who have strayed from the practice of the faith so that is a means for me personally to be able to engage and more of these devotions so that uh, I'm not uh, losing track of them.
1: The, uh, okay, here, here's, here's one that reaches across um, even de- denominational lines. So just recently, last week, as a matter of fact, I had this deep discussion with Protestants about the powerful uh, of St. Anthony Okay. Tony, Tony, look around. Something's lost. Can't be found. Mm-hmm. And and then and they were telling me all these stories about how they heard about this and they, they take advantage of St. Anthony, even though they're not Catholic, you know, and there these incredible stories about how they're finding things, the things yeah. were found that were lost. And then I got to inform them I said, now, are you aware of the fact when he helps you, you're supposed to give bread to the poor, you're supposed to help out the hungry." They didn't know that part of it, but it's like, yeah, there's this kind of an agreement there mm-hmm. that he had a heart for the poor and those in yeah. need. And so there's a devotion that encourages those corporal and spiritual works of mercy. We
0: should probably back up just a little bit by talking about the whole idea of the novena. We recognize there are a lot of listeners who may be coming across our uh, station who aren't familiar with some of the lingo that we tend to throw out. Uh, Tradition holds that the time frame between the ascension of our Lord Jesus into heaven and the descent of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was from the 40th day to the 50th day after the resurrection of our Lord from the dead. And so there was a nine-day period of prayer and reflection and preparation for our Blessed Mother and, and the apostles, during which they selected Matthias, for example, to take the place of Judas Iscariot until the promised Holy Spirit should come. So whenever we enter into a novena from the Latin word for nine, it is a nine-day period of prayer for a particular need or devotion.
1: And, and so like in that number nine, then it could be nine days, nine hours, nine prayers, nine whatever, like here's here, Mother Teresa, St. Saint Mother St. Saint Teresa of Calcutta, she, she lived by divine providence, which means that she had no, there's no guarantee that anybody's going to feed her clothe her, give her shelter or any of this. So she literally every day, she and her sisters were appealing to the heavenly father to provide for them. Whenever she had a need, she would do what's called an express novena. So a quick nine prayer. She would take the prayer of the memorari which Saint Bernard of Clairvaux gave us back in the twelve hundreds this powerful prayer she would say say nine, nine remember most gracious virgin Mary prayers, and then she immediately said a tenth one, thanking God the Father for providing for her the thing that she had asked for which she hadn't can't see yet, but mm-hmm. she had this faith and she was always provided for. Mm-hmm. And so that to me, that's one of those and oftentimes when I, I hear an impossible situation or something immediate need, like a real I'll I'll do an express novena. And and it seems somehow there's this incredible comfort that comes or yeah. or, or something there that um so that's that's one of my tiny little yeah. favorite ones too.
0: Th- think also of the example of Mother Angelica as the EWTN. Uh, apostolate was just starting and how there were many times where she and her fellow sisters said we know that there's a big bill that needs paying and we have no idea how this is going to happen so those devotions as well were were uh, really a part of her witness and her story about how they were relying on divine providence and uh, weren't so conceited as to say well you know it's all about us and, and our talents but uh, through that humility of prayer they were relying upon the generosity that others would provide. And again, not to a
1: reminder of the phone call phone number here eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Call with your inspiring stories, your questions, comments this morning for Father Gross and myself. You know, not not to give people the idea that somehow this is like Catholic voodoo or superstition, right? Or magic. Like a magical thing. Okay, but what I want to emphasize what these devotions do. They establish relationship. They establish relationship with friends, supernatural friends, saints who have made it in heaven, good friends who are interested in in your well-being in the body of Christ, for Mm -hmm. Christ to draw you to God the Father, to eternal glory, to show you how... God the Father is interested in breaking through in this day and age and this time with his life that he's real, he exists, he cares about us. So kind of no different than you or I, if like right now, if if I was to turn to you and say, Gosh, Father Gross, I'm really struggling here with this. Could you help me with uh, financial assistance or could you give me a ride? Or could you pray for me? Could you you being the good friend that you are, you absolutely, Father love for here, let me help you, however that would work mm-hmm. out. Same thing in the in the spiritual things. It's it's really about this relationship of the one body of Christ that we're all members of that one body and think
0: also about that that whole gesture of asking for what we need it's not as though we are forcing God's hand or trying to manipulate him into doing something he otherwise doesn't want to do Matthew chapter 18 verse 20 uh, amen I say to you if two of you agree on anything on earth about which you are to pray it shall be granted to you by my Heavenly Father so time and again in the Gospels Jesus is saying you know you may not know what you're going to receive but but for heaven's sake, please ask, because you have a... Provident father who longs to give what
1: you need. Okay, so you have triggered in me just that whole and this and we're in Luke's gospel here in these different examples of so when you know, pray always or pray, you know, and he always gives that example of I tell you when you pray, pray like this this un, this widow with the unjust judge. Right. And I love that so they translate it as the judge says, Well, I better decide for her favor or she might do violence to me. But literally it says, She might give me a black eye. And that's wow. I. So I always tell people, you know, when they're getting frustrated that like God's not hearing or not responding, I said, "Well, have you prayed yet to the point where you, you know, to the point where you God might fear you giving him a black eye? Have you prayed that determined okay. for for the thing? In other words, it, it it's usually that God's after something in our own hearts at those moments. Like there has to be a breakthrough or something. And yeah, and again, these these little devotional practices or w- w- what have you, they they do that they they expand our hearts you might say because
0: we're we're inclined sometimes to think that people are as unresponsive that god may be as unresponsive to us as others may be whether the corrupt judge in chapter 18 of luke or you know other sorts of examples and jesus time and again is saying no don't transfer that you know pessimism onto god allow god to speak his
1: words to you so now to think think like Catholics with the mind of the church and so forth. The calendar, which is always, I, I just, I can never get enough of this. So watch all this all works. So Sunday, we didn't know about this because it was Sunday. It takes precedence, but it was the, the birthday of the Blessed Virgin Mary, right? right? So it was her birthday. We celebrate because December 8th, the immaculate conception. Nine months later, September eighth, her birthday. That's that's how we do these things, right? And then, so just like Jesus, he was born on the twenty fifth of December, and then his name day comes afterwards, and it, it all lines up with kind of the Jewish idea of circumcision and naming. The thee. octave, right? So today would be the holy name of Mary, where where the Blessed Virgin Mary receives her name from God, which is Mary or Mara. Don't don't call me Naomi. That's beautiful, but Mara from the book of book of Ruth, there where she loses her her husband her two sons and so forth and then so mary takes on in her name the the struggle of humanity the sorrow and she herself losing her son that all happens within the context of the the octave of our lady of sorrows mm-hmm. there's going to be saturday the reason it's our lady of sorrows on saturday is the day before the 14th is the holy exaltation of the holy cross mm-hmm. and and so the sorrow of christ one day the sorrow of mary the next and then we get between now and then is the seven sorrows of mary and so um so three days ago, it was, the, it was the prophecy of Simeon. A sword shall pierce your, your holy soul, right? Uh, then it was the flight into Egypt, which you think about all the sorrow there. Then it was losing the Christ child in, in the temple, right? Today, is the, it's Jesus encounters his mother on, on the way of the cross. And then uh, tomorrow, it's, it's going to be the, the, the death on the cross. Then that's followed by the piercing of his heart and then mary receives the body of her deceased son where where we say she has the faith of abraham at that point Mm -hmm. faith that god's going to raise him from the dead
0: right um that uh, the seven sorrows of the blessed virgin mary are also referred to as the seven dolors, uh from the latin word for sorrow and the name dolores you know is derived from that so if you've seen as we have for example at fort totten in our uh, diocese or in albany minnesota outside of saint cloud various other places where a parish is named seven Dolors, that's the reference that we're making there So we have a question that's been submitted here, um, not on the phone, but a listener brought this question in. It can be easy to look at the church and focus on the negative things happening. Boy, howdy. But can you speak to the beauty of being a priest in our church
1: today? Absolutely. You know, it, it's just like, okay, so we were sharing, Father Gross and I were talking before we went on air. Like, yesterday was kind of a, yesterday leading into this morning was kind of a rough little thing, little patch where faith formations going on. It got to be a long night. Ended up getting a call that I wasn't expecting. It took me to almost one in the morning. I had to sleep fast this morning, get up early, head mass of the folks this morning, drove into the studio who are feeling a little bit tired. It's a gloomy day. There's a lot of things out there that, it reasons, and even heaviness in the church right now that would, you'd feel that pressure coming down and saying, oh, just just give in, give in to the negativity, give in to the darkness. And yet there I was this morning, with, I, I looked, I couldn't believe it That 6 a.m. here, these people are at mass. I just couldn't, I was just, and they were tired too. And and the gospel was proclaimed about the love of God, the father for us. And this impossible gospel, it was demanding, it was demanding, love your enemies, you know, love. And, and then this, this moment of grace just breaks through. This light shines on and say, "Father Leffer, you can't do this. This is impossible." But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, can do it, and He can do it in you, if you give Him permission. I'm asking you, give this good news to my children, right? And and so that good news goes out, and we, we all received a little, a little drop, a little drip, and then I and I just had this vision at mass this morning of. Each one of us being a font of the Holy Spirit pouring out, being a light in the darkness or the salt of the earth in our little tiny, little tiny ways as we went like those glowing embers of the field. Right. That go go out. Well, Father Gross, who, who else had that privilege this morning, you know, to, to be a priest and go there when we're all tired, exhausted or kind of grumpy on a gray day. And yet the light of Christ breaking through because my life gives me the privilege to offer the sacrifice of the Mass for the people to hear their confessions in the midst of that. And how can you not just want to do backflips for joy mm-hmm. to be the God's instrument in those moments.
0: Yep. To be a conduit to so many, uh, holy things. And it's not about, um, the way the world of business might look at it and say, well, you know, what are the, the results, you know, the, the, the numbers of people or various things like that, but our, um, investment of ourselves and, and, and
1: allowing the Lord to take that and bless it. And I'll I give another great example. Okay, I'm going to pick on one of my faith formation uh, kids, Lily. She's she just such an inspiration. But So last night we did this family event where we to kick off the year we did Chronicles of Narnia. We, we got the theater in town and everybody came. It was a great event. And and I'd seen the Chronicles of um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe You know, probably a hundred times. I don't know. It's a great show. But there in that context, there it was Lily who started the grace. She turns to me and she says, oh, he betrayed I'm just like Jesus three times. Huh. There there's Saint Peter. just oh, that's Peter, as in like Saint Peter. Huh. There's the women at the tomb, just like huh. there's the river like baptism. Huh. There's the women at the at the at the tomb, just like Mary Magdalene. And she here's this high school student making all these connections with the gospel in this the secular event. And it just what happened was the grace hit me and just broke me open. I stood there and I was literally the gospel was coming alive on this screen in this secular manner. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's an example of priest, faith, uh, a child that you you happen to have the privilege of doing whatever you can she herself receiving that and turning that into something so beautiful that gives back that grows the body of Christ in, in the midst of the movie theater right.
0: times that you may not even be anticipating there it comes and it, and, and it hits you Wonderful. So that's
1: what the life of a priest is like
0: thank you very much for sharing that Father Leffer we have a listener qu- a question uh, well actually let's go to uh, Sheila who is on the phone with us from Warsaw welcome to Real Presence Live thank you and there is a devotion that you want uh, to share with us about today.
2: The devotion that has struck me—it and it seems to be coming around in many different areas back to us—and others is the Surrender Novena. Um, the Surrender Novena was int- introduced to our family through our daughter, Sister Miriam, from the Poor Clares, and they received it from the Poor Clares in Canada. But the surrender novena was from Father Don Dolindo Ritolo, and it seems to, I've gotten it in Christmas cards, I've gotten it, I've heard it in homilies, it seems to be rekindled um, a lot from Pope Francis, I guess, is trying to bring this back one. I don't know for sure on that, but that's what I've heard. And I just uh, received another one from somebody that just went across um, the ocean, and they brought it back in from there and i just thought this is such a beautiful nine-day novena of asking jesus a little devotion prayer and then it says oh jesus i surrender myself to you take care of everything you say that 10 times and and then at the end of it of that part you say curse to the blessed virgin mary mother i am yours now and forever to you and with you I always want to belong completely to Jesus. And I just wanted to share that one other part of that that I do, I found from a retreat I had been on, is um, this retreat master says he devotes uh, one station of the cross every day he thinks about. And he said, if I get goofed up on which day I'm on, I just look at the number of the day, like today is the 12th, and there's nine days in a novena, just attract the nine and go to day three and just concentrate on that. So if you pick up the surrender of novena and I've missed it and I don't remember where I was, I'll do that. Okay, day three, what's, what's the message for today? Um, Excellent. So that
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you very much for sharing those uh, suggestions and ideas, Uh, uh, Sheila. We, uh, both Father Leffer and I, have come to know your family and especially Sister Miriam. Please greet her for us when you speak to her next. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. She's praying for you every day. She loves to hear prayer requests and pray for them and all the other sisters.
0: What a great I reminder. You. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sheila, and have a wonderful day. And uh, Jeff has mentioned to us on Facebook, thank you for that Express Novena. I'm going to use that. So thank you very much, Father Leffer, for sharing that as well. There is another listener, um, and uh, we'll give the number one more time here. We have a few minutes left in our Straight Talk segment, 877-795-0122. Uh, that's 877 And the question, Father Leffer, for us is, where does the Doxology after the Our Father come from. Some Protestant friends have asked me why we don't pray that when we pray the Our Father outside of Mass. And they thought it was scriptural, but I didn't see it after the Our Father in either scripture location. So the, uh, you know, for thine
1: is the kingdom, the power and the glory, etc. Forever right. and ever. <clears throat> so so the, the, the doxology literally means uh, the... The study the thing that follows <laughs> you know doxology it so the doxology it's it's a it's a thing that get from the Jews. It comes from the Jews, actually. It gets tacked on. It's something that you add on to the end of a prayer. Every time you'd say a prayer, you would tack this thing on there. So, Kind of like as Catholics, we kind of get in the habit of maybe saying a Glory Be at the end of any prayer time or something. Or mm-hmm. or we we tack on Amen after every time we say a prayer, which means right. I agree with it. So that you could say the Amen is like a doxology. So liturgy, literally a doxology means the thing that you tack on at the end of the prayer. So if you're a faithful Jew, any prayer that you you said it ended with basically with that doxology for the thine is the kingdom of the power and the glory now and forever amen so the reason when you look in into scripture and you and you look up the our father both i think it's luke's and matthew's gospel and you look there and you don't actually see that ending um you know like, well wait a minute where did this come from why do we say this well tradition it's been handed on down by tradition mm-hmm. now here's the ironic thing and this is, when i say ironic i mean funny funny ironic thing so after the the, the Protestant uh, Reformation there, there was this tension between Catholics and Protestants, and we did different things to kind of, you know, prove that I'm Catholic or I'm Protestant. Distinctions. The, the, distinctions, like one is the, having a corpus on the cross or not. That was a mm-hmm. kind of distinction that happened. One of those things that happened was the, the Catholic. so the Protestants got in the habit of re, reciting the doxology whenever they would speak the Our Father as a, as kind of a signal that, You know, they're Protestant, not Catholic. Mm -hmm. The Catholics, on the other hand, got in the habit of saying the Our Father and not saying the doxology as a distinction that they're Catholic and not Protestant. Now, why I say that's ironic or funny, um, Protestants generally identify themselves as being very scripture-based and scripture-only, and yet they're doing the traditional thing. And yeah. we, as Catholics, who sometimes are pretty ignorant, we're of the literalists. We're the literalists. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and we're the ones who are, who, who are doing the scriptural thing and not the. So it's kind of funny how that gets played out Mm -hmm. and so then when you're doing ecumenical things or just with your friends who are catholic and protestant mixed, there's always this kind of awkward little pause and and
0: how many over our 20 years of priesthood how many funerals or weddings have we been a part of officiated at where at the end we hear in the diverse congregation there are a few verses a few voices that say for thine (laughs) <laughs> and <then laughs> okay, they cut well, themselves okay, off. Then here's know. a
1: great thought. So I have this ecumenical Bible study Wednesday mornings, and there's always we take turns. You know, who's going to pray today? And then it's always if it's a Catholic, you know, you feel that pressure. Um, do I make the sign of the cross or not? And because if the, the Protestant's not going to do, you, do you, is that an insult to them? And I always find people want you to be authentic to your own faith tradition. Just like at the end. Maybe we end with an Our Father. When the when the Protestants pray, then. I say the doxology with them, and and when I do, I I generally... End it without it, and they they generally respect that. So it's it's kind of getting used to one another our, our faith traditions that mm-hmm. we're, we're used you to know.
0: And, interestingly, I'm thinking of an uncle of mine who's a staunch Lutheran who said that uh, in his uh, in his church the the pastor recently has gotten to making the sign of the cross at the beginning and the end of you know their worship services, and he's sort of jokingly saying he's turning us into Catholics. What's going well, on? You know, there?
1: here's <laughs> another thing. right because I, I have a lot of friends who're Protestant ministers, and and I've noticed a number of my Lutheran Protestant minister friends, they're starting to bring the corpus back on the cross in their in their worship space. They're starting to bring incense back. They're starting to do these things. I, it, anyway, I find that fascinating or interesting, yeah. and and they're very at home with it. And they're like, well, yeah, this is part of. Christian tradition. I'm like, you're right. It is
0: right. And, and, and the radicality of what happened in the, uh, you know, the radical reformation where there was just a stripping of so many things that interact with the senses. I think a lot of people nowadays are saying, yeah, that that's really not serving us well.
1: Yeah. It's just that barrenness because let's be honest across in, in our human secularism across the world. It isn't, it isn't just the catholic church but a lot of mainline protestant churches a- a- attendance numbers everything is going down and at the heart of it is an identity issue you know mm-hmm. we these things the devotionals we're talking about or these kind of things they give us our identity and, and if we and if yeah. we wash those things away we end up not knowing who we are we, there's no distinction so well,
2: mm-hmm.
1: well why be catholic why right. go to worship why
0: When it comes to art and environment in Catholic churches, there's much more in vogue nowadays as restoration with regard to what's being done, you know, in the walls and the ceiling and all the rest of it, rather than renovation. Because I think for a lot of modern people, the word renovation strikes our ears as you're removing and streamlining and things like that, whereas restoration is an attempt to, uh, you know, to, to reintroduce certain aspects of beauty of the space that hadn't been there recently and, and
1: you're making me think of this it was the resourcement movement after back resourcement, like go, going back to the sources going back to the original and the church fathers and so and bringing bring all that back alive into into our faith and understanding like where did all these things come from what were they about and right. the, the question earlier about wow, what do you love about being catholic priest what i love is discovering all these things you you can't come to an end of it the the, the deeper you dig the more beautiful it gets you know and mm-hmm. every single thing that's in our faith if you say well why and you start searching you discover this plethora of meaning and understanding it's usually a little thing that goes to something bigger greater or grander right.
0: you know you've got the, the the spanish art masters or the dutch or you know various other things like that and these are distinct expressions you might say technically speaking but they are all part of the one under the
1: one umbrella The german of russian Church. iron rot crosses in the cemeteries That our is our most per- our
0: most distinctive art form and it's art gorgeous
1: form. it's beautiful and stands the test of time absolutely yeah
0: and something that uh, is not just contrived you know for its own sake but it is an expression of you know that that deep faith welling in welling up from within the hearts of people that goes back to many many generations yeah so we are coming to the end of our uh, straight talk segment I want to uh, say thank you to all of those who uh, called in or wrote in with their questions just remember that the segment is on at 930 central time every Monday through Friday and uh, you know so let's continue to think about some of those uh, devotions that we can enter into and it doesn't just happen automatically right father we need to have a deliberate um, uh, kind of a process you might say in order to in order to determine what am I going to subtract what things are extraneous or not necessary in my routine that I can put this in in its place rather than to have them all just kind of pushed out in the perimeter. You know,
1: once again, Father Gross, you and I have demonstrated beyond a shadow of a doubt we can go from the mundane to the profound in three microseconds. We are extremely talented at this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how uh, we'll see how profound we get in the next hour, right?